podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Are you looking for the perfect way to take your brand to the next level? Want to reach a dedicated, engaged audience that's all ears? With Audiohook.com, you can do just that. Audiohook is the premier podcast advertising platform, connecting advertisers with some of the best podcasts in the world. Audiohook uses advanced targeting techniques to ensure your message reaches the right ears at the right time. With detailed analytics, you'll be able to track your campaign's performance and optimize your strategy for maximum impact. Plus, their team of experts are there every step of the way, providing guidance and support to make your campaign a success. So, whether you're a startup, a small business owner, or a marketing pro, Audiohook is your one-stop shop for podcast advertising success. Head over to audiohook.com to start your journey today. The United States Border Patrol has exciting and rewarding career opportunities with the nation's largest law enforcement organization. Earn great pay with outstanding federal benefits and up to $20,000 in recruitment incentives. Learn more online at cbp.gov slash careers slash USBP. Boom! Bosco's Boys is here. I think we all wanted it. And the marriage is officially official. I'm so pumped to bring my show to the 1012 Network Bosco's Boys, the most consistent K-State podcast out there. Over four years with at least one episode a week. Bringing live shows to the listeners and to the participants every Wednesday at 7 p.m. I'm pumped to be here and I would love it if you guys came over to Bosco's Boys and gave us a listen. Because we are not Big J Journos. This is a podcast by a fan and his dog for fellow K-State and Big 12 fans, and I can't wait to chop it up with all the members and fans of the 1012 Network. And welcome back to the Rock Chalk Podcast. I am your host, Andy Metz. Today, we have a bunch of stuff to talk about. Um, yes, we have an, a loss for the Kansas Jayhawks to the Oklahoma Sooners to talk about, um, you know, is that as big of a deal as it necessarily seemed and what to expect from this team moving forward. But it is also the beginning of the basketball season. Late night happened on Friday. We got to see some really um, fun stuff there, or at least the stuff that I was able to see looked like it was a lot of fun. Um, but the AP poll is out as well for the preseason for basketball coverage. So we will transition over to including some basketball stuff here to help me do all of that. It is the guy that joined me. Usually every other Monday or so, uh, it is Kyle Davis, our editor over at uh, over Blue Wings Rising. Kyle, how are you doing today? I'm good. About as good as you can do for a Monday night. So, especially a Monday night after a, a KU and Chiefs loss, I'm I'm healing. I was going to say, it was a pretty rough weekend for us Kansas City area sports fans who, uh, you know, unfortunately, um, there's no, you know, there's, there's no playoff baseball to enjoy right now. There is... Uh, a very tough loss, even though it was a good game. It was a very tough loss against the Bills for the Chiefs, and then of course Kansas. Um, look, I, I, this game, like, yes, Kansas lost by ten. Um, you know, I, I thought they actually did fairly well to fight back in, but I think they're uh, just everything that's going on around this team is more of a reason to be worried than the fact that they lost to Oklahoma. Um, like, looking at this game, is there anything about this score? that really surprised you anything about the way this game went that, you know, is super shocking. I don't know about shocking. And I think it's, you know, uh, 
at least I, I don't know how other Kansas fans feel today or, or in the aftermath of this, but like the, the reactions layered, because I think multiple things can be true. I think, uh, I, I think that this team has a certain kind of fight and never give up attitude that I respect that we have not seen in recent years. I also think that was one of the worst and the numbers prove it uh, defensive performances that we've had in recent years. And I think another thing is true is that we desperately need the bye week to get healthy. Like the, the, there's a lot of energy injuries and in a lot of key places that are happening. And we saw, you know, Kobe Bryant being one of those during the game, uh, but him, he, you know, by far being the, the only one. Uh, so yeah, I think it's, I think it's multiple things are true. I think this team is not the same without Jalen Daniels, which, you know, that's, I know there's a little bit of that of like, oh, Jason Bean can just come in and pick up where he left off. Jason Bean's good. He's not Jalen Daniels. There is a drop off there. Like that's, you know, I think we're seeing that. <clears throat> and I think the defense has some weaknesses that were, um, were exposed there, which is, I think if you're talking about what's concerning, I think what you're, what you're concerned with is that you m- Oklahoma might have given a blueprint uh, for this Kansas defense, which was, you know, the, they, they even mentioned on the broadcast, I know, that talking about how, how much K- Kansas loves to sub on defense and get fresh bodies in there. Uh, shout out to, to Michael Swain of, of, of 24-7. Talked about Oklahoma coming into the game, averaged 2.8 plays a minute. On Saturday, they averaged 3.3 plays a minute. So, and you could see it. They just would not let Kansas sub. They were going fast. It, Kansas's defense was tired. They gave up big plays. There was, there was. I think we can talk about the third down and everything, but there were so many times where what should have been a three or four yard run turned into a seven or eight yard run, and and there, there's just that. I think is more. You know, the injuries are one thing. We know kind of what this defense has been in general, but I think maybe what could be you know scary moving forward, especially with the team like Baylor coming up next, is did Oklahoma just give kind of the recipe? that others are going to try to mimic now. Well, I mean, I think part of it, though, is Oklahoma was able to do that because they have the huge athletes on the line that were able to, you know, really kind of stop Kansas from doing what they want to do to start with. Because I think part of the reason that Kansas has been so successful is not just because of the depth, but because they have been able to get big plays at good times to, you know, require the the opposing offense to pause for a minute. Um, and they weren't able to do that against Oklahoma. Oklahoma, like... It was never a question of, is Oklahoma, you know, a lot more talented than the Jayhawks? It was always a, Oklahoma seems to not understand or not be able to put together the things they are normally able to put together, and so they looked vulnerable. But, you know, Leipold has talked about this multiple times. Kotelnicki and Borland have both talked about it, you know, and, and we've talked about it here. Like, this is a Kansas team that, while the while the talent is much improved— they still do not have the same physical level of strength as a lot of the other teams in the Big 12 when you take our ones against their ones. Um, that's a problem. Kansas has been able to overcome that because they have that depth. They have the ability to rotate guys through. But as we saw, when you can go hurry up, when you can continue to have successful drives and sustain those drives and do it at the clip that Oklahoma was doing, then it's very difficult for Kansas to keep up because those guys get tired. They they don't have the ability to sub, you know, like this was all, you know, like these warning signs have been here for a while. And I think we were, we were seeing what they were able to do and thought they were able to scheme around it. Not realizing, I think to the, to this point that Kansas had yet to run into a team that had the horses to just run them over and over and over and over again without subbing. And so I think that's, 
that that's the quote unquote blueprint, but I don't know how many other teams in the Big Twelve Conference can actually do that at that clip. TCU, we we talk about their speed and everything all the time. They weren't able to do it. Partly because they weren't trying to run hurry up the entire time. But the other reason too is that Kansas made big plays, made enough big plays to keep them from just running over and over again. I think it was a little bit of things spiraling out of control for, for, for the Jayhawks because they weren't able to get that first initial pressure. Once they had gotten that first initial pressure, I think they would have been able to slow down what Oklahoma was doing to make it more manageable. And you kind of started to see that in the second half where, you know, Kansas was starting to, you know, make a few plays, especially in the fourth quarter. Now, definitely, OU took their foot off the gas a little bit, but that's where you started to see Kansas be able to have some success when Oklahoma was not going at that super fast, you know, warp speed on their offense. And so it's going to be interesting to see how many other teams are able to replicate that that fast-paced style of offense. Yeah, and, and, and pace or not, I think, you know, the – the the game was was decided on on third down conversion, like we said. But again, a lot of that, you know, Oklahoma went sixteen to twenty one on third down. Kansas was five to eleven. But you look at what led up to that. Again, it was how many times did Oklahoma have third and three or third and two? Whereas it's it felt like Kansas was constantly facing a third and eleven, a third and nine. Like oh yeah. Th- again, and there was there's so many, you know. You'd hit Eric Gray at the at you know three yards behind the line of scrimmage, and then he would just keep trucking for another four yards. Like there's a lot of sloppy missed tackling. There's a lot of kind of leading with the shoulders, just trying to knock him over, not really wrapping up. And so that's that's where yeah, the the difference in the game is Jason Bean was constantly having to sweat. How do I get beyond the sticks here with 11 yards to go on third down versus you know Oklahoma? You can just open up the playbook so much more when it's third and three versus when it's third and eleven. When it's third and eleven even with Jason Bean's speed and some of the stuff they can do running the ball, like your playbook is just limited compared to what you can do otherwise. And so uh, kudos to Oklahoma too. I mean, they, you know, that they, they handled, I guess, the play calling what they needed to, but it was also just a uh, Kansas got burned on third down, but it actually, they got burned on first and second down with how many times they just were giving up big chunk plays in Oklahoma. I only needed two or three yards to convert, you know, for the last two downs of the series. Yeah, I mean, I don't think Kansas necessarily did themselves any favors. I mean, getting into those third and long, you know, there was way too many times, I thought, where they got into a third and nine or a third and 11, and then Bean would run. And I think part of that was because the coverage was good enough that he couldn't just, you know, get that quick route that he was looking for. Um, but it definitely seemed like they didn't necessarily scheme as well. And and again, I don't know how much of that was Oklahoma blowing up what they actually did scheme. And not being in the room, it, it's difficult to say, oh, well, the scheme was bad because – for everything that we know, they could have, you know, had it schemed up really well, but Oklahoma happened to hit the one spot that made the whole thing fall apart. So, um, yeah, I, I don't want to be too critical of that, but it just seemed like a lot of those third and longs turned into a, I'm going to look down the field and try to hit, you know, a guy down there and that guy's not open. So then Bean has to scramble for the run. And of course, when you have to run for 11 yards, it, you know, unless you have, uh, a defense is not really paying attention. It's not hard to stop a guy from running from 11 for 11 yards. If you're paying attention and have a quarterback spy. So, um, you know, I thought Bean did fairly well and kind of to your point um, that you made earlier. And, and, you know, Brendan and I talked about this last week as well. Like Bean is not the same quarterback that Jalen Daniels is. He is a very capable backup. And honestly, if Bean is your backup, you feel pretty good about your backup situation, but he's a backup for a reason. 
you don't want him to be the long-term guy if you have another option. Um, you know, Jalen Daniels can do a lot of different things. I think his decision-making is a lot quicker. So even if it's not necessarily better decision-making, it's quicker decision-making, which opens up more possibilities because you're making those quick decisions. So I will be definitely interested to see when McDaniels comes back. The last report that I heard is that he is probably going to be back for the Oklahoma State game, which means we have at least one more game of being, um, you know, starting against Baylor. And then ideally, Daniels will be back for Oklahoma State. I've heard rumblings that Highshaw could potentially be back as early as Oklahoma State, but probably not. Um, like that would be a huge boost for them to get a guy like him back. But, um, you know, there's there's a wild, a wild, uh, I guess, span of possibilities there, whether he comes back right after the bye or if he waits until like the season finale. Like there's a lot of, a lot of variance there. And of course, I have not seen any kind of uh, update on Jacoby Bryant's injury. All I know is that it looked really, really ugly. He was in an air cast, you know, with his ankle. Like, I haven't seen anything official, but I've heard some people say, kind of similar to the Jalen Daniels. Like, there's some people that say, oh, well, it's not really that bad. They were being super precautionary. And then there's other people that are like, no, he broke it. He's done. Yeah, and I, I and actually, I'm trying to find it here. I know uh, Jordan Gusky of the, of the Topeka Capital Journal uh, was talking about that kind of coming in out of the out of the lineup, but yeah, there, I, I think the other thing with high shot too, is just like how effective he can actually be, right. um, you know, even if he does come back. And the good thing is with that position, you have enough help there. Uh, and my ESPN's playing on me. Uh, I, yeah. You, you've seen it. You at least have another guy that can sit in there. Yeah. I guess he said, Lance, Lance said it's a wait and see deal with, right. uh, with Kobe. So, I mean, uh, which which point, sounds awfully right. like, similar to the Jalen Daniels, right? Like the day to day, we'll wait and see. Um, but it is one of those things. Which, like, did you see? Did you see Kobe come back out of, on Twitter? Like, I, I this has been an interesting thing with this one. Like, with the the the, the false news uh, coming out when the guy was like, uh, you know, can't you give him a, a card? He broke his, he snapped his leg in half, half, and he's like, slap and snap, uh, slap my leg in half. That's news to me. Like false news. I'm going to be back. Fine. Like, it's interesting. There's some, some KU, KU players are like, they're quick to uh, put any sort of media reports, even if they're not even the point they're trying to make in their place, which is just another kind of side um, well, it's, thing to watch. If uh, it, Yeah. It's, it's interesting because you see a swagger and you see like an, an attitude with this team that you normally wouldn't have had. Like, I think, I think prior coaches would have, you know, said either like it's the coach's job to make those sort of statements or, you know, just keep your head down. Don't worry about it. Like they've been given that, you know, I guess that freedom to, to make this their team, to not just make it their team on the field, but to interact with fans, to, you know, control the messaging around their individual play, you know, their individual situations. Like this feels like it is a lot more of a, of a, you know, the coaches working in partnership with the players that we've seen at Kansas in a really, really long time. Um, not saying that it's always going to be super successful or saying that it's always going to be, you know, great. There's probably going to be a gaffe here or there, but, you know, that's a big part of what these players are learning to do, right? It's how to interact with media, how to interact with fans, how to, how to do all of this stuff and manage it. So, like, at the college level, that's the entire point. That's what you're trying to learn how to do. Um, I do think it will benefit them in the, in the long run. It, the real question, I think, is... Like, I haven't seen anybody completely step in it yet. Um, hopefully that doesn't happen anytime soon. But it is definitely interesting to see how vocal they are, how easy, you know, they are willing to speak out on things that they know about as opposed to, you know, the random reports that come out that we all just kind of speculate. Um, you know, big difference between this football team and the basketball team where, 
you know, when the, when rumors were flying around about stuff happening with the basketball team last season, um, nobody said anything like at all, even though it sounded like there was potentially some players that wanted to say some stuff. Um, this football team, they're getting to say some stuff. They're getting to talk about themselves. They're getting to, they're getting the ability, I think, to show their own personality and interact with fans in such a way that I think is making it a lot easier to root for them and making it a lot easier for people to embrace a football team when, you know, the basketball team is the, uh, the reigning national champions and getting ready to start another successful season. So we, we actually will talk about basketball here in just a few, but before we do that, I want to make sure, is there anything else from this game? Um, specifically that you wanted to highlight before we look ahead really quick to Baylor. I guess the only thing I would say, if we look like look, we can turn on the optimism a little bit, cause this is still, you know, and it's not all doom and gloom. Like in, in past years, we couldn't wait to get to late night and talk about basketball. Cause that's the only thing we had, but I will say like, I, I think in, in all of the credit that's gone around with the offense and deservedly. So there's not really a whole lot talking about the receiving core. So I'm just going to shout out the receiving core real quick. There's not just one guy, but this is very much a, um, like, you know, this was the Lawrence Arnold game. Uh, you've had the, the you know, Quentin Skinner game. Mason Fairchild also had a tremendous game. Uh, like, the, and also just the level of catches, like how many ridiculous, you know, in between bobble, end zone, get your knee down kind of catches on here. So I, I do think this is kind of a group that's gone under the radar, obviously because the rushing attack has been so good. Daniels is obviously deserves a ton of credit, but even with being in there, uh, this is just like a solid, like you've got four or five guys that like, you know, Luke Grimm has just been terrific on third down. He's been kind of the security blanket. You've got Fairchild made a, a couple of amazing catches over the middle, like turning his body and, and can, kind of contorting himself. And so that is one area that uh, you would, you, you get a good idea, especially when Daniels goes out, how much of a drop off there is in that regard. Uh, and really like, you know, talking about the hype and some of these really uh, stud teams that you're going up against against like Oklahoma and, and TCU that have a bunch of four and five star guys and a lot of great athletic skill position guys like KU's receiving core is holding its own. And I guess that's something that I've not seen talked much about, but like really feels like it should start getting mentioned a little bit more. Well, and I, th I think a big part of that, too, is the way that they've been doing it. Like to your point, there hasn't been one guy who has just been every single week, week in and week out the guy. Luke Grimm has been it for a while. Mason Fairchild had the big game against TCU. Um, you know, even before Bean came in, he was having a big game. Um, you know, Lawrence Arnold has had big games here and there, but like this was the Ar the Arnold Fairchild game, whereas previous games were like Grimm and Casey or Grimm and, you know, Skinner or like there hasn't been one guy like a Marvin Mims for Oklahoma or, you know, a Quentin Johnson for TCU, where it's like that is the main guy, the guy that the quarterback's always looking towards, you know, Daniel seems to have his, his preferred players that he connects with more often seems to be Casey and Grimm for big plays. Whereas Bean seems to connect with Arnold and Fairchild more for, for big plays. And then Skinner to some degree. So like, I think it just depends on who's in there, kind of how the matchups work out. Um, but, but I think that's the biggest, the biggest advantage or the biggest, uh, I guess, kudos you can get to this this wide receiver core is that there is, there doesn't have to just be one guy. There are so many different guys that can have that impact. And so many guys that have had that impact in, at different points in the season that unfortunately it's going to kind of, I think, reduce some of the, you know, shine that those guys get because it's so many different guys doing it. But I think it speaks really well towards the wide receiver coaches. It speaks really well towards the entire group as a dynamic to make sure that they don't run into those issues. Um, there have been some, you know, defections. I know Stephen McBride is no longer with the team. Um, 
you know, that's, I think, pretty normal when you have a team that has so many different guys. If there's a guy that wants a bigger role, then it's better for him to go ahead and leave and let everybody else who is very comfortable with the way that things are set up uh, to thrive in that system. So, you know, Gavin Potter no longer with the team. Um, uh, Stephen McBride, obviously. And there was uh, one other player that I'm forgetting. I don't want to accidentally say the wrong name, but there was another <laughs> another defensive player that went ahead and left. Um it's not, it's not Gilliard. That's who I was originally thinking of, but he is definitely still with the team. But regardless, I don't think it's a big deal exactly who it is. I think the important point is that this is still a team that even with these last two losses is still very solid, is still looking out for each other, and is still in a good position to make a bowl game at this point. You know, They're going to have a lot of options. This Baylor team is a lot more vulnerable than I think a lot of people thought they were going to be coming into this point. You know, Then you still have games at home against... Um, you know, against Oklahoma State, against Texas, and then you go on the road to, you know, a Texas Tech team that's definitely better than they looked, but they're not unbeatable. You know, you have a Kansas State team that you go on the road for as well. So Kansas Kansas has opportunities here to get that final win, and they just need one more to be able to get to a bowl game. And they get to a bowl game, I don't care I don't care what else happens. You have to say absolutely. I mean, the season's already a success, but but get yeah, to a bowl game. Wildest expectations, right? Like like get to a bowl game, and I don't think anybody can complain because you know that is a tangible thing that you get to do at the end of the season that shows how successful you were. You know, starting five and zero and barely limping into a bowl game might be a little bit disappointing, but thinking about it like that's always the problem right with a team that plays really well off the bat is that people decide to change their expectations and not take into account just what all had to happen for them to get there so um hopefully it's not a painful end of the season where they only get the one more win but you know even if that was the case we have plenty of things to be very happy about with this team um, honestly, silver lining to that might be that Lance Leipold may not be quite as much of a shoe in of getting a job somewhere else. <laughs> um, you know, so it's like, there's can a lot of things. Some, can we get some like galaxy brain of, of Lance Leipold's been throwing the last couple games just to, avoid, well, I don't uh, think he would ever throw because, awesome. because if he were to throw the game, his players would, would not be very happy with that, but no, it's definitely one of the, so I you're mean, saying Travis Goff took, took Daniels out of the game. Just, just right, right. There's some sort of conspiracy theory. We just don't know who's behind it all. Yeah, there yeah, we go. That's fair. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> but you're right. This 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 thing could come even next week because Baylor might not have their starting quarterback. Uh, right. I mean, like it looks like know, Shapin is Blake, out. Blake Shapin. Um, I mean, he took a hit to the head, and after all the Tua stuff and what's happened recently, like you can't get away with cutting corners. Uh, oh no, for sure not. Especially nowadays. So yeah, that, and that, and I don't know if you watched the end of the West Virginia game. I caught the last quarter of it, and it was a big drop off or a big difference. And just yeah, I watched the whole thing, and when... it's one of those things too. Like Baylor has been struggling off and on all year long, anyway. Even when Shapin was in there. Um, you know, they struggled off and on against against Iowa State. Um, you know, they struggled off and on the next week against Oklahoma State. Like, they had flashes where they looked really good. But for the most part, Oklahoma State dominated that game, let Baylor get back into it in the third quarter, and then put them away, um, you know, with some very unfortunate, for Shapin anyway, interceptions that really kind of torpedoed any shots they had to actually coming all the way back in that game. So, um there are definitely mistakes for Baylor to make, and they seem to be making quite a bit of them. The defense is not is nowhere near as good as it was last year, and I think a lot of that has to do with you know guys that are gone that are gone now. 
Um, so Kansas is going to have a lot of opportunities in this game, even though it's on the road. They will have a chance to win this game. Looking at it, I mean, I, I don't think that I know enough or I'm comfortable enough yet kind of trying to figure out how this game is going to go. We will have somebody on uh, to talk Baylor on the podcast with a preview episode coming up at the end of the week. But, uh, but yeah, so, um, you know, I think that's going to wrap it up for the football portion of this because I don't know that I really want to talk any more about that last game and we still have to figure out quite a bit about Baylor to have a good idea there. So we will save the rest of that discussion for the Baylor preview episode. And instead we are going to go ahead and switch over to basketball. But before we do that, I do need to throw it to a quick break. We'll be right back on the rock chalk podcast. Brand new for the 2022 season. It's the RVK. We're coming at you two ways on two days. It's Monday and Thursday. Jeremy J.N. Fiend Phoenix and me, Brandon Phoenix, a.k.a. I also hate Pitt. We are the Raspy Voice Kids. We are the Raspy Voice Kids podcast. You get pop culture Monday at 7 a.m. You get the West Virginia University podcast Thursdays at 7 a.m. Either way, no matter what we say, you're going to have fun. So, like we like to tell you, get at your boys. And we're back. I am here joined by Kyle Davis, our editor over at Blue Wings Rising. Kyle um, let's flip over to basketball. Like it feels like it has been way too long since we've really talked basketball. Um, I mean, we are a basketball school after all. I, I know Bill Self conceded that we are also going to be a football school, but come on, we are a basketball school. It is really weird that the football team has been so good that we just haven't had very much time to talk about basketball. But it, you know, the season did go ahead and get started. We did have late night. We had the banner, you know, raising ceremony. Um, you know, the, the rings, the rings were presented to all the people. We got to see that, that speech from Ochai, you know, all of the, all like everybody chipping in and, and talking about that. And then seeing, you know, the great start for the Kansas women as well. Um, looking at this basketball, you know, this, this basketball program, both the men and the women's side, like how hard is it going to be for this year to live up to what we had from both teams last year? Well, I mean, yeah, the, the bar's high. Um, and I also think especially, well, honestly, you could probably make the case in, in both situations. Like this is a, your your expectation and your evaluation of the team is going to be different in February and March than it is in November. Like I think we're going to have to temper the early season, you know, the Champions Classic in some of these, uh, which will be fascinating in its own right, just because of all of the changes in Duke and new head coach and all that. Like, you know, it, but I, yeah, it's it's going to be one of those things. I think, especially if I think I, I tweeted this during uh, during the late night scrimmage, like the front court is the big wild card. You know, who kind of ends up coming through there at the five spot. Um, and so, yeah, I think this is like don't get me wrong. Like, there's the, the pressure still going to be there, and and this is going to still be a really good basketball team uh, on the men's side. I mean, they you know they're preseason tied for number five in the in the AP poll that came out today. You know, they, 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 there's a reason for that, and and it's because you still have a lot of good talent on this team. I do think the freshmen, like we haven't really had a a year where a freshman's really stood out and and played a, a tremendous offensive role in a while. Like I think there's a really good chance. I don't know if it's going to be, I don't know if it's going to be MJ Rice or Grady Dick, but I think one of them has a really good chance of like kind of it honestly being could one be of those both guys offensively. It could be both, yeah. And then you know, like one of those, it's it's one of those things where I think the the post plays where you're going to see the most improvement from, from November to, to February and whether it's, 
Clements and 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 well, even like you know, the guys like Cam Martin or Cam Martin that we didn't see last year, who you know, we he, he had a couple of nice dunks and missed a couple threes in, in late night scrimmage. But there's just there's going to be a lot of tinkering that's going to take place, uh, and that doesn't mean I don't think we 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 just have to. It's going to be so easy to do in the moment to overreact to November games and December games. But, you know, I think this is one of those things where <clears throat> how it shakes up, there's still a ton of potential on on the late season kind of push. Now, you know, it's it's so hard to repeat back to back. I mean, what is it, Florida in 06, 07's last team to, to go back to back, like virtually unheard of. Uh, and there's a reason it's because March Madness in, is in itself like the t- tournament's kind of a crapshoot. It's just it's hard to even get there once. So, like, we, you know, I think this is still, like, this could be a second weekend of the NCAA tournament team. And, again, there's a lot of potential. It's going to probably take these guys a little bit to gel, and that's okay. But I think they'll still, you know, the other interesting part is we get in there, like, they're going to have plenty of tests, especially in the um, uh, non-conference. Because you've got, I think, well, you've got three and then potentially more. uh, Right. Matchups against the uh, the preseason top twenty five. If if you get Dayton or Tennessee and and Atlanta in there, so like they're going to be tested, and there's probably going to be some trial by fire. But I'm excited with this group because this is kind of that. You know, we talked a lot last year during the run about how this was the group that kind of like cut its teeth, had its had its you know falls as when a lot of these you know Ochai and Christian were freshmen and sophomore, and and now like they've you know built up and gotten to this point. You've got you you've got a lot of that here, I think, with this young group. Although then you have you know Jalen Wilson and then McCullers coming in trying to still do something late in his career. But yeah, it's going to just take a little, this team a little bit to gel. But I think the upside still is really strong. And if you can figure out how to handle this post rotation and the five spot, like if someone can come in and just really solidify that, that's kind of the missing piece at this point. Yeah, it's one of those things. It feels this feels a lot like the year. You know, where we went in with the main guy down low being uh, Diedrich Lawson, right? You know, like transferring in. Um, it's not quite the same thing because, you know, Kevin McCuller coming over is not, like, it's not the same position. It's not that sort of thing. But you have a a really, not not like super high profile, but a well-respected transfer coming in that is going to help handle, you know, that transition with, in this case, Jalen Wilson, you know, being the veteran, the guy that's there, that is the undisputed leader of this team at this point. Like he is the upperclassman that is by far going to be the one that everybody looks to, um, you know, and you have a front court that is, that is, as you said, it's questionable. Um, not necessarily because the guys that are there have played bad, but more because we just don't really know what we're going to get from them. Um, so it'll be very interesting. I think to see all of them develop over the course of the season, and us to figure out what we have um, and, you know, kind of go from there. And and speaking of things that we, you know, well, well, things that we don't have to figure out, though, is the wonderful collection from sponsor here on the podcast, Homefield Apparel. Homefield Apparel, the most comfortable vintage college sports apparel anywhere. T-shirts, sweaters, hoodies, joggers, so much more. They have over 140 different schools adding new stuff all the time but they have vintage logos from all over the place they are absolutely fantastic i have way too many and i'm still looking to add more because it's just it's the most comfortable stuff you're going to wear and they have the coolest logos um look i want something from everybody in the big 12 because they have all have fantastic stuff 
Um, so I definitely recommend you go over and take a look. Homefieldapparel.com. Use promo code CHOCK12. You can get 15% off your entire first order. And all orders over $100 get free shipping. I guarantee you're going to find plenty of stuff that you are absolutely going to love. And again, it is super comfortable. You can wear it all the time. Um, make sure you go over homefieldapparel.com, promo code CHOCK12, get 50% off that entire first order, and all orders over $100 get free shipping. So, yeah, speaking of, like, the potential of this team, right, um, there are a lot of guys. There is Grady Dick. There is MJ Rice. There is, you know, Ernest Uday. Um, and I'm blanking on the fourth recruit. I'm going to feel really bad when somebody tells me what it is or tweets at me because I forgot it again. Um, but, I mean, they have such a star-studded class coming in you know they also have gotten recently some new recruits um you know they 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 actually signed or they have a pretty decent 2023 class coming in because you're going to have you know guys like Jalen Wilson and Kevin McCuller leaving um but like this is this is really weird because we are seeing the wind down of the FBI investigation but I don't know that this program has ever has been at a better spot than it has been than right now in a very very long time because you know you're coming off this national championship you have two fantastic back-to-back recruiting classes that have all happened and yes there's going to be something to come out of this you know finally the NCAA is going to get their act together and and has some sort of punishment but it doesn't sound like it's going to be like super you know um hurtful to the program and like you know uh postseason bans and all this kind of stuff like it feels like it's going to be something that we will we will know is there but it's not going to be super detrimental to this program so like it's i think it's just as impressive that bill self has put that last team together has put this team together and for the most part he hasn't been doing it with like five-star guys he's been doing it with very good solid recruits that fit well into the teams that he has available um and, you know, they've, they've kind of gone from there. Like, how, how impressive has it been what Bill Self has been able to do under the cloud of this NCAA investigation for the last five years? Yeah, I mean, that's kind of his MO the whole time he's been there. You know, like, you've, there's been the one-and-dones, there's been the top recruits, but they're not the guys who have necessarily had the best seasons or even stood out. Like, you find, like, it seems like the, the guys, you know, somewhere between 30 and 90 in their class are where he kind of molds them and shapes them. Uh, by the way, I, I know you're not forgetting Zuby as the fourth. Uh, the fourth That's what it was. I was like, I was like, there, come so on, yeah. I know the name. It's one of those that I've said it multiple times, and my mind just went blank. Sorry, Zuby. Yeah, but no, you're right. But like, this is this is. I mean, even even Brady and MJ were not like top ten guys. But even you know, like I, I honestly like someone. Uh, yeah, well, yes. First of all, yes, it's impressive. Like he has done this. I think he's done the. When you talk about the. You know, you talk about the best recruiters in in the sport. Obviously, you've got Cal Perry and others. Like, but we talk about the, the best um, like molders of players and going from what they are as freshmen to what they are as if they stay, you know, three or four years. Like, self has to be at the top of that list, or at least in the discussion of of you know building players and getting the most out of them and growing over time. But that's why, like, honestly, I you know, I, not to give too much away, but I, I really like KJ Adams as kind of a breakout player here. I, I think he's still trying to kind of figure out his role, but like high energy, deep in the middle, like he's, he's a guy that someone like self absolutely loves and I could see him coming into a bigger role, but yeah, I mean, it's the, you, so I think you're probably alluding to, you know, you got uh, a Marco Johnson, the, the four-star point guard out of New Jersey who committed this week, you're going to get those. And that's absolutely great. Like it would be I'm fascinated to see, 
how much someone like MJ Rice or Grady Dick plays themselves into kind of a one and done versus coming back. But I do think, and you'll see this, like some of the the, the guys who are going to keep carrying this team are the ones who did not get recognized at the at the preseason Big 12, uh, you know, all Big 12 team. But guys like Juan Harris, who are not going to be flashy, and not going to score a lot of points, but will be kind of that glue. And KJ Adams has a chance to be um, – one of those guys that is just like has a bigger impact kind of I'm not sure on the comp yet for him and then even like McCullers and what they do like self just gets these guys finds the right fit for them gets them in the right system to to play together and and get that growth out of them that you don't see as much and yes they stay longer you don't have a lot of one and dones but this is what you get sometimes when you can stay longer and you have consistency and so I think that's one of the interesting with things about this year's team is that you have that like like you kind of have like the old guard and the new guard kind of like what we saw in like maybe the the 2018-19 team where a lot of those guys like uh Oates and them were freshmen uh right as you had kind of the the old guard but the post kind of Devonde had just left but you know group in there like this is you've got you got Wilson and you've got McCullers and those guys who are going to be kind of the leaders uh Dwan Harris a little bit as the bridge and then you have these young guys coming in like I know they've been raving about Bobby Pettiford now that he can he can practice a little bit again about how I heard like he might be the kind of the the main backup to to Harris right now in terms of the ball handler uh so yeah I think that how you can kind of combine those two is going to be really interesting to see and probably talks to what the ceiling can be this year but you're right like the if you look at just the roster now and the breakdown of of non-seniors on this team like you know, and, and unless something crazy happens, the future should be pretty bright, at least on paper. Yeah, I mean, and, and we will definitely, uh, next week when we have the bye, we will do our, our customary. I'm still trying to figure out um, exactly what the roster for that particular uh, episode is going to look like since Fetch is no longer on the podcast with us. And, of course, Jesse Noah is no longer covering the Jayhawks. He is instead covering the Chiefs for the Kansas City Star. Um, but we will do our normal, like, going through the rotation and talking about which players we think are going to be the most impactful um, we will have that episode. I am working on it right now. Um, I promise that we will have that. So you guys that are used to listening to that before we get kicked off with the basketball season, we'll still have that. But I think to your point, like what Bill Self has done and like it's why he has the respect that he does and why a lot of people talk about him as the the hands down best active coach in all of college basketball right now. It's because, yes, Calipari is a fantastic recruiter. He's really good at bringing those guys in. But as we've seen with some of his teams, you know, it's not enough to bring in a ton of talent. You have to figure out how to mesh those guys together. You have to figure out how to use those guys in such a way that you can have a successful team. Bill Self has been able to do that and find the right pieces that he needs to have successful teams, even with teams that don't necessarily seem to have the talent. Like we talk about, you know, Dedrick Lawson, that 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 Dedrick Lawson year. Like that was probably the the quote unquote most disappointing year that Bill Self has had in a really long time, and they were still a really good team. Like this is one of those things where he routinely finds the right guys, pushes the right buttons, gets his team to develop over the course of the season. And what we have seen recently is like before the knock on him used to be, well, you're there for so long, like you're not making an impact in the NBA. But Kansas started to send more and more players to the NBA. We have more and more guys that are stepping up and having big roles and getting to play professionally after that. So like development is no longer an issue. Guys are actually getting to where they need to be, even if they're staying for three years. Oh, you know, Abaji was a guy that came back to school when he could have gone, really improved his stock, got himself in a really great position, you know. And so like they now have that proof of concept. They've seen all of that. 
with Bill Self. It raises his profile. It raises the profile of the program, and it makes it a whole lot easier for Kansas moving forward to find the guys that they need and kind of plug those holes. So, all right, Kyle, we will go ahead and break down more as the next few weeks get started and, of course, as the basketball season gets started. But I think that's going to go ahead and do it for us today. Thank you so much for joining me. Um, anything that you have that you want to give people a peek at real quick that you have coming up over on the site? No, we'll have a Baylor preview coming up. And then, like I said, lots of lots of basketball content getting underway starting this week. We're pretty excited for it. Yeah, we will dive into basketball, both on the men and the women's side. Um, I will be at Big 12 Media Days starting actually today when the episode comes out. We'll be talking with about the women. Um, and so I will have all of that coverage. And, of course, we didn't get a chance to talk about the women too much here, but they have had a fantastic offseason. They had a fantastic ending of the season last year. They were picked fifth in the Big 12 uh, coaches poll as well to start the season. So the expectations that they're going to have a great year. They have basically everybody back from last year, which is going to be super helpful. Like obviously, you know, seniors that, that graduated are gone, but they have the core of that team back. They're expected to be a really good team. They're going to, at the very worst, be a big problem for a lot of teams to deal with in the big 12. Um, so I am looking forward to getting to dive into more of what they do and bring that kind of coverage and talk about those particular team so um but again that is going to do it for us just a quick wrap up we do have uh, you know we will we will have some information about the volleyball and the soccer teams and how they've been doing uh, it's been up and down for both of them but they are still kind of fighting in there the the volleyball team especially has had some some disappointing results against some of the ranked teams but have been playing really well against the unranked teams so it is a good opportunity for them to fight their way towards a NCAA tournament berth and get themselves in a good position to have another postseason run like they had last year. So again, we will talk a lot more about that in the bye week when I have a minute to catch my breath and really kind of focus on a lot of those things and get ramped up for all the rest of the coverage I want to bring. So thank you guys so much for joining me. Um, you know, for, for listening, we, uh, I really appreciate you guys, uh, listening to the podcast and we really do bring the podcast to get you guys all the information you want and in as entertaining a way as possible. So if you ever do have any comments, questions, suggestions, people you want me to try to interview anything like that, you can contact me by email at rockchuckpodcast at gmail.com or on Twitter at rockchuckpod. If you can go wherever you get your podcasts, where it's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, any of the a million apps that are out there, just search for Rock Chalk Podcast so you can subscribe, get every episode as it comes out, and give us that rating and review. Five stars, nice comments would be absolutely fantastic. But if not, just let us know what it is we can be doing better. Um, again, we really do bring the podcast to you guys to get you all the information you need. Um, but we are part of the 1012 Podcast Network, covering all the teams in the Big 12 Conference. We are 12 podcasts strong right now, um, covering everybody, including the new teams that are coming in starting next season. We didn't even get a chance to talk about all that, but there's a lot of exciting stuff getting ready to happen. And of course... The podcast network is sponsored with Sports Drink. It is the podcast network for all things sports and not sports. Great stuff that they're doing over there. So make sure you check out all of the great podcasts that we are partnered with. Um, make sure you visit our sponsors, Homefield Apparel and Price Picks. Promo code Chalk 12 gets you great deals there. But thank you guys so much for listening. Kyle, thanks again for joining me. And we will catch you guys next time on the Rock Chalk Podcast. Podcast Network.